0: Friends, when we gather, um, we each have a part to play. We sing a song. We bring a scripture. We pray a prayer. We share a story. And the Lord works and speaks through each of us. And it's already been rich this morning, hasn't it? In the presence of the Lord, hearing testimonies, hearing the scriptures, having our eyes fixed on him. And um, Nick, as you were reading that scripture, wow. You were experiencing the presence of the Lord. You were recognizing Him, as the Holy One on the throne. And we were too. And all praise be to God. Well, yeah, sometimes it's hard to just go on. And sometimes we just need to stop and say, Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I thank Jesus, and we thank Jesus for those of you who have brought messages um, over the last six weeks. Um, We have been fed richly through the sermons that the Lord put on various ones of your hearts, and so thank you very much. And as we listened to those messages, it just seemed good and right to us and to the Holy Spirit that we would spend some time reflecting on faith, And so the Lord willing, um, we always keep expecting the unexpected, but the current plan is the Lord willing that we're going to spend a few weeks um, focusing on the topic of faith. And we're going to be doing that by looking at Hebrews 11 this morning. So if you have your Bibles, why don't you turn to Hebrews 11 and we're going to be reading one through six this morning. And so starting in verse one, now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. By faith, Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. And we join our prayers with the prayers that's already been prayed, that you would grow us in our faith and our trust in you. Lord, I pray that you would open our eyes through this scripture, that you would help us to understand what faith is and to exercise it. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, friends, um, some of you that know me might have picked up on this before, because maybe I put my feet up on your coffee table or on your couch or something like this. But I am one who just, from a young age, liked to have my feet propped up. All right. So I've brought a couple of things to illustrate this this morning. When I was young, um, we had a telephone in our kitchen that was a box on the wall with a spiral cord, long spiral cord, and a receiver like this. And I um, sat in my mother's – this is not my mother's chair, but it's very similar. It's my mother-in-law's chair, actually. But it was an Ethan Allen spindle back chair. And I would sit at that chair, and um, I've been told many times my maiden name was Welch. Welch, four on the floor. Four on the floor. Well, I um, was sitting talking on the phone, and I was leaned back on a linoleum floor with my feet propped up on the built-in desk in the kitchen, talking a long time on that phone. And I bet you know what happened next. I flipped backwards and um, knocked the breath out of me, broke spindles out of my mom's really nice chair. I don't... I'm just going to say it might be one of those childhood wounds because my mom was really concerned about her chair. (laughs) But anyway, all right? So I I was using this chair for a purpose that it was not intended. Well, then I, um, years later, heard a friend talk about a zero-gravity chair, and she said, oh, for camping, it is amazing, and she told me all these attributes about how this zero-gravity chair was awesome, and so I don't know if you've sat in chairs over the years and how it's, you know, they've developed, right, for camping chairs and all, but I I sat in the chair, and um, I was like, oh, this is nice, and anyway, and she goes, lean back. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) We love it so much that um, we have a original red one. We have a blue one. Now we have two blue ones like this. Then we got two more blue ones like that. Then we got two beige ones because you just can never have enough (laughs) zero gravity chairs where you can just lean back and it can just hold all your weight. And you can just like it takes all the stress away, and it's amazing all right i I love this chair. I put my trust in this chair i I have faith in this chair, so much so we got um two for our son and two for our daughter. I mean, <laughs> this chair is amazing. Have I sold you on it yet? Yeah, all right, because it does what it says it can do, and it was made for a purpose. And I can exercise my trust and lean back in it and totally be relaxed and enjoy it. I could do sit-ups. If I want to work on that core, I could probably do that too. All right. So let's talk about what is faith. The writer of Hebrews starts to define it in verse 1. Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we don't see. So faith is belief. It's a cognitive agreement. When my friend said, this chair is amazing, I believed her. I started to believe. But then um, it's faith also in action. And the rest of chapter 11, like the first verse says, you know, faith is what we're confident and and confidence in what we hope for, which is God's kingdom. It's faith and assurance in what we don't see. It's God our king. But then also the writer spends the rest of chapter 11 showing us how faith is action also. And so it names this hall of fame, people of faith that have walked and trusted the Lord. They've put their trust in the Lord. So I think a simple starting definition for faith, I mean, it could be just as simple as saying that faith is trust in action. Faith is trust in action. If you wanted to try to nuance it a little bit more, you could maybe say Christian faith is exercising trust in God through faithful obedience. And we'll see that as we look at some of these characters. So if you think about this chair example, faith has both a belief element and an action. And I said that already. Like I believed it when my friend told me about the zero gravity chair and that you could lean back and you wouldn't tip over. But then I actually put my trust into action by sitting in it and leaning back. And suddenly, I really experienced the promise that my friend had told me about this year. Well, the same is true with our faith in God. Um, There's an inward reality that we trust God and we trust his promises. But faith also is an outward reality that we live out. And um, we act on God's promises. And so faith is an inward assurance that gets embodied and lived out. All right, faith is not gullibility. It is based on discernment. And so our text gives us a couple of things that makes me want to say that today. Um, Gullibility is being easily persuaded that something's real or something's true. That would be gullible. You know, oh, I've got some property to sell you in, um, you know, the Caribbean. You know, that would be gullible if you just believed somebody that told you that. You'd want to discern it a little bit. Well, I think the things that make me feel like he's saying faith is a discerned thing is because he talks in verse 2 about um, considering the creation and the fact that there must have been a divine creator, you know, we look at creation, we can't prove that God did it, but just look. I saw a picture of dragon wings, magnified, just a little dragonfly um, in of the wings. It looked like tiny little stained glass windows, like it was the most beautiful picture. And it was just dragonfly wings. You look at all the beautiful different types of flowers. Caroline, you love to post pictures on Facebook of all the various flowers, the shapes, the colors, the sizes. You look at the ecosystem. We've got a landscape uh, architect that um, is, is one that is thinking about ecological things. And you think about how that God designed this whole process of, like, oxygen and photosynthesis and the ecosystem and how things work together. There had to be intelligent design. There had to be a creator. And so we have faith because God's revealed himself in creation. And then we also have this discernment of looking at this whole list of people that um, Hebrews 11 lists. And I'm not going to say anything about every single one of them, but it would be a wonderful Bible study to do. But their lives demonstrate that they put their trust, they exercised their trust in God, and that his promises proved faithful, and that they experienced the blessings. All right, Abel exercises his faith by providing an offering. And so God accepted that as an acceptable offering. And there's a lot of speculation about why exactly was one offering better than the other? And I'm not going to get into that, but I'm just going to say God looks at our heart, our motivation. We don't know between the two brothers what their heart was, but we do know that there was one that exercised faith and has lifted up as an example to us. God's worthy of our worship and our sacrifices and our offerings. Placing Faith in God is not pie in the sky, wishful thinking, but it's careful discernment that there is, in fact, a God, and even though we can't see him, we experience the blessings. We've heard the blessing in the testimony, Tim, of you experiencing peace even in the midst of grief and losing your mom. We've heard testimony even today, and as you got up and shared about This is the hardest thing that we're walking in, and yet there's blessing. And the Lord told us that there was going to be blessing, and he was going to watch over. And then we experienced his presence and his sweet, sweet presence and the gift of family together. All right. If zero gravity chair represents God and his faithfulness, it's like all of these stories are endorsements. In Hebrews 11, All these stories are endorsements that he truly is God and that he's trustworthy. We can sit back and lean into him as it will, as we experience and we will experience the blessing of God. So why did the early church need to be reminded of and called to faith? And why do we? Why do we at this point need to be called to faith? Well, if we look at the history that was going on as Hebrews, the book of Hebrews was written, they believe it was written to Jewish converts to Christianity that were definitely going through a difficult time. We think about their context. They were experiencing trouble. It doesn't explain all the troubles that they were experiencing, but we know they were coming out of um, Judea, Judea, mm, their Jewish traditions and faith, and they had transferred their trust to Christ. And so there was difficulties with people who didn't understand that decision. There was the Roman Empire. There was all that was going on. And what what they tell us is that people who had been, um, let's just say this is trusting Christ, and they had been sitting in this place of trust and leaning into the promises of Jesus Christ, suddenly they're going back because there's this magnetic pull. There's this tendency to go back to tradition. When things get tough, you kind of go back to what you know or what feels familiar. And they were going back over here in this chair and thinking they were going to be able to lean back in their traditions and trust. And it was not God's best. If you've ever tried to lean back in a chair like this, You're working like crazy to keep your balance and everything. And really, this is not God's best. He gave it for a season and a time, and there was a purpose for the traditions. But they had taken it well beyond that. And so they're moving from this place of rest and trust in Christ and trying to go back to their old traditions. Friends, how do we sometimes do that? Have you ever experienced that when times get tough, You're tempted to maybe go back to something you used to lean on. Maybe it's just binge watching Netflix to try to cope. Or maybe you start to pick up alcohol again. Or maybe you start to put a pressure and try to take the weight of what you're going through and take it to somebody other than Jesus, and they can't bear the weight that Jesus alone was designed to bear. We want to please God, and it says it's actually impossible to please God, verse 6 says, without faith. Impossible means impossible. Can't do it. And so um, if we want to demonstrate our faith, it means that we need to act in ways that show that we trust him. It's not just a cognitive thing. It's actions, too. And so if I say, I, I'm just using this as like, okay, this represents trusting God, trusting Jesus. And if I say, I trust him. Oh, how I trust him. But I never sit down and actually spend time in the word and in prayer and saying, these are the promises that he's given me. If I'm always just standing beside and saying, I, I, I believe but my actions aren't showing it, I'm really not exercising faith. And we're called to um, exercise faith, and we want to please him. And actually, when we exercise our faith, we recognize the blessings that come. Jesus, um, this scripture says God commends faith. He says it in verse 2, in verse 4, in 5. Out of six verses, three times it says he commends faith. That means he endorses it. He thinks that it's good. They, um, he, re- we re- see in verse two, the ancients were commended or you could say received approval from God. It literally means receive testimony. And so what God does in scripture is he gives testimony that I saw how these people were living and they were living right and I want to lift them up as an example and a role model. And so to please God, isn't just about what we do, but really it's about relationship, right? So if, if, if all you hear me say is faith is exercising trust, but you miss the fact that actually it's trusting in a person, the person of God, it's, you would miss the fact that the whole reason he wants us to trust him and to come to him is because he loves us. And because there's relationship that we're cutting off when we don't come to him with every single thing. Verse six says God rewards those who earnestly seek him, and that word in the Greek it means to zealously seek for something with all one's heart, strength and mind. It's literally seeking God so passionately that one exhausts your incomplete power in this search. It's persistent devotion to God. It's to put one's full concentration on God in the face of whatever difficulty or opposition you're facing. The reward God gives is the reminder of his love and the reassurance that God almighty, all-powerful God is with us and he's for us. He reminds us that we're not alone. Whatever you're going through. When you are in a relationship with God, you are not alone. He is with you. As I thought about the recent sermons that we've heard, I thought about Anne's sermon that um, reminded us that God has indicated that with this church, and actually, Bill, we heard you reaffirm this, that he has intentions for this church to bring him glory and to advance his kingdom. But it may look different, just like when Jesus healed the withered hand. It looked different than what the people were expecting because it didn't go to their tradition. They were starting to rely on tradition instead of trusting God and letting him exercise his power, and we trust him. And so it was calling. It's really that message was calling us for to trust that Jesus is king and that he wants to lead this church even in ways that we might not understand. Sometimes the ways God leads in our lives and allows are difficult. And Lonnie, you talked about giving thanks in everything. And what does that do? It exercises our faith and it points our eyes to God who is with us, even in the hard things. Marissa, Cody, and um, Mark all gave messages that talked about Offering what we have who is Jesus, right? So, you know, what do I have? That which I have I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ, stand up and walk, right? And then go and make disciples and then be ready to prepare, be prepared to share the hope that's within you. Well, all these things call us to exercise faith. And so even as a church, our vision is to see the gospel transform our hearts, our neighborhood, and the world. And so it's going to require us to exercise faith. And the beauty of that is when we exercise faith, again, we experience God's promises actualized. His power come forth in a moment. And so a couple of examples that I want to give to just remind us that when Neil Blake, a couple of weeks ago, He came up here and he gave a testimony, and he said, I was feeling small and pretty helpless in the light of the world events when I came to early morning prayer a Thursday a few weeks ago. And he said, but as we prayed, all of a sudden we started to pray for what was happening in Russia and Ukraine and to pray for revival. And he said, I felt so encouraged, and I felt like the Lord's power. And I was reminded again, like, he didn't say he got a glimpse of Isaiah 6, but he got a glimpse of who God is as he prayed with other believers. We heard Mark Essenberg share about the very painful situation that he and Rebecca have gone through with having um, taken in a foster child that from the beginning they were told that they would be able to adopt and three years in to all of a sudden have things turn very differently than what they expected And yet he said, what is the source of our peace? How can we have peace of mind right now? It's that we keep turning to the Lord. Friends, they're exercising their faith. They're leaning back into God's promises and his presence. And when we do, the Lord sets things right. He may not, and as Mark said, we still have questions that aren't answered. But we are walking with hope and with peace even in the midst of this hard journey And Pastor Dave has testified as well that people who don't know how to comfort him when he says, my dad has this aggressive brain tumor, he says, I have comfort and hope to give them, as I start to explain that, you know, I walk with God and I can pray to him and I can trust that he'll do what is best, but I can always ask for healing. And so if the early church was to survive and thrive, they needed to trust and place and exercise their trust. In God. And if we're to not, I'm not even saying if we're to survive, but if we're to thrive, if we're to really grow into what all God has for us as a church, it's going to mean leaning back into the everlasting arms of God who loves us. And how is that displayed? There's no more beautiful way than to remember Jesus. And that He's the one that models complete trust of His Father as He exercises that trust and obedience he models faith as he goes to the cross and lays down his very life for us and so in a minute we're getting ready to partake of this meal together and i'm praying that in this meal that we'll be strengthened to trust him more as we put our eyes on jesus and in the weeks to come that he'll grow our faith and so would you pray with me please Lord, thank you for your word that reveals who you are, trustworthy and true, loving, gracious, good, all-powerful, all-knowing, and ever-present. And, Lord, I ask that you would strengthen our faith as a church congregation, as a group of your people. Lord, I pray that we would be um, marked and, and lifted up and commended as ones who please you because we trust you. In Jesus' name, amen.